Hey everyone, great news. Kitchen Table Magic is now on Hipsters of the Coast. They're the mages with the curly beards and the vegan potion options. Hipsters of the Coast is the premier news and strategy blog for the Magic the Gathering community. They have a unique perspective on things, and Kitchen Table Magic is honored to be joining their lineup. If you're listening to me right now from Hipsters of the Coast, I'm pleased to meet you. You're going to love all of the guests I have lined up for Season 3. And be sure to check out past episodes at kitchentablemagic.org. If you're new to the Hot Sea blog, head on over to hipstersofthecoast.com to get strategy and content for all of your favorite formats. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by CardKingdom.com. Unstable is out now. Join in on all the goofy fun with contraptions, inside jokes, strange math, and squirrels. You can order it at cardkingdom.com slash KTM. And of course, all of those John Avon Full Art Borderless Basic Lands are in Unstable. They make a fantastic addition to any deck. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Paragon City Games. They're a community-focused game store in Draper, Utah that cares deeply about their player base. They invite you to join their in-store stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames for weekly legacy and standard events. Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic, a storytelling podcast featuring the amazing people of the Magic the Gathering community. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Join me and my guests as we share stories about what MTG means to us, how we got started playing Magic, the ups, the downs, the hilarious stories, and everything in between. In this episode, I'm talking to Eric Dupuis from Wormwood Gaming. Wormwood Gaming is the premier company making expertly crafted wooden deck boxes, dice vaults, and other gaming accessories. Eric has a background in both carpentry and business, and he shares with us the journey of how Wormwood started and how it became a household name that it is today. All of Wormwood products showcase quality lumber sourced from around the world with colors and patterns that naturally occur in the wood. The craftsmen at Wormwood masterfully produce products using ancient and modern techniques. Eric also shares with us a new addition to Wormwood's product lineup, the Prophecy Gaming Table, available in all different kinds of woods. I caught up with Eric during the summer of 2017. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Eric Dupuis of Wormwood Gaming. Hi everyone, welcome to Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and today I'm here with a very special guest, Eric Dupuis of Wormwood. Eric, how are you doing? Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me. This is really, uh, really exciting. Well, I'm very excited to have you here. First of all, Eric, I'd like to start with a sound check question. What are your favorite kinds of wood to use in a particular project? Uh, that's actually kind of like asking me to pick my favorite kids. Um, but I can say white oak will always hold a special place in my heart. Uh, as a woodworker, growing up, my father was a carpenter. And white oak is the first quality hardwood that you use once you move on from you know the softwoods like pines. White oak is the first thing where it has a chance to really last for generations. So that's always really got a special place. Place. Even though it's a really modest domestic wood, it still will always have that kind of sentimental feel to it. That is very cool. Eric, I wanted to get started from the beginning. Where did you grow up and how did you find Magic the Gathering? I grew up uh, in uh, Millis, Massachusetts. Uh, most people couldn't find it on a map, even if they've lived in Massachusetts their whole life. And I soon after moved to Medway, which is a nearby town. And I found magic around that time. And the thing that I found really fascinating about the game is I was able to trade cards back and forth in between those two communities. Of course, this is before the, the internet was really popularized back in 93, 94. And 
to me, that was a really fascinating aspect of the game. You know, it had the strategy of chess and, you know, kind of the, the probability and luck of poker. But then the trading aspect was always just really fascinating to me to be able to create value by going back and forth. And then, you know, everybody is kind of getting something that they want out of it, myself included, where I'd get a little part of a, a trade, maybe, you know, a Sarah Angel is a throw in or something like that back in the day. <laughs> that is so cool. We've all got memories of Sarah Angel. It's kind of like the good old creature. Yeah, no, it was it was really high above the curve for back in the day. That is really cool. Okay. And what formats do you play these days? I've always loved Eternal, especially given that I've always had a strong connection with trading cards. The idea that the cards will always, you know, maintain value and be playable compared to standard is always, it just really resonates with me. So I play Legacy every single week. I play Vintage whenever I can. I'll occasionally, you know, I'll, I'll play Commander and, you know, some of the other Eternal formats, Modern here and there. Uh, but really, Legacy and Vintage are, are the ones that are closest to me. That is really sweet. Okay, so that means you've got some of the legacy and vintage staples from way back in the day. You've kept them. Yeah, I mean, I've probably bought and sold them dozens of times, but I do have everything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is, it's actually, I do a little bit of live streaming now at my local game store on our, our weekly events. And I am fortunate in that I'm able to just build whatever I want to. Uh, it's really a great thing about having a, a deep collection like that. So right now I'm playing lands, but after that, uh, counterbalance kind of stepped away with Sensei's top, I immediately tried out Elves, Lands, Manila's Dredge, you know, any type of combo decks, trying to, to get a feel for where the metagame's at. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've played just a little bit of Legacy myself. Whenever I speak to anyone about playing Legacy or Vintage, they always say that that's just the most pure, most fun way to play Magic, because it's kind of just like Magic in its core and in its essence, and it's also its history. Yes, absolutely. How did you get into woodworking and that kind of craftsmanship? Well, my father was a carpenter. He never wanted me to become a carpenter, but he wanted me to learn the skills. It didn't look like I was going to be a carpenter uh, because I started my own business right out of high school. Pokemon was really big at the time uh, and it was all doing extremely well. Uh, but our family businesses were all retail. And when those uh, kind of fell in on themselves as, as they do when they're not managed well. I ended up getting into the Carpenters Union and working in the field for 10 years and then eventually saving up enough money to step back out and you know start getting back into magic as a, uh, a way of supporting myself. And then that's when I ended up meeting the guys from Wormwood. Really? So how did you first meet them? I was running a vintage tournament at local game store, Scholars. Uh, it's, now it's in Brockton. At the time, it was in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Uh, but I was running a vintage event, and uh, the two guys, Doug and Ed, showed up. They wanted to have a, uh, a donation to the prize support in order to set up their wares and, and try and sell you know, what they, what they had created, which were deck boxes at the time. Uh, I believe four different sizes. They actually had a deck box that could hold uh, 60 cards, which is not hugely useful, as it turns out. Uh, but, you know, they had created a bunch and, and wanted to see what people's reaction would be. And it was it was something that I thought had potential. And that was the beginning of the relationship is I've, I've been in the magic community for a really long time. And I thought I could add a lot of the business side to it. They had, I thought, a really strong product. Uh, but a product isn't a business. You know, you really need, you know, the website, the marketing, the social media connections, all of that. And that's that's what I, I wanted to bring to the equation. So Wormwood started as this beautifully crafted product. And then you were just like, you know what, there's a huge potential 
potential here for me to get involved, grow the product line, grow the company. And, you know, of course, now in the present day, Wormwood is a hugely well-known brand. They make beautiful products that I almost even consider works of art. But, you know, one thing, Eric, that I wanted to ask, I'm very curious, when Wormwood started, how many products did it have or how many woods did it feature? Doug, Ed, and uh, Doug's older brother, Ian, they had tabletop dice trays, which is uh, a tray for board gamers, essentially. Uh, and they also had deck boxes. And the, the piece that really launched the success of Wormwood was the Dice Vault. And that's I came in shortly after that. They had done a Kickstarter campaign, uh, and it had raised uh, maybe twenty or $30,000, uh, which was solid, uh, but certainly not enough to be supporting multiple people uh, as a as a source of income. And then it got picked up by Penny Arcade. And that basically doubled their trajectory. And that is when I kind of revisited the idea with them of, of being involved in the company because it was very small when I had first met them. But that really signaled a, a big op- bigger opportunity to have more people involved with it. The line in between a hobby and a business and kind of where you really define that, you know, it, it's kind of it can be difficult to really tease out. But I would say... You know, by the time we had the dice vault and the tabletop tray and the deck boxes, you know, I kind of think of that as the beginning of of Wormwood. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about really the star material that goes into Wormwood products, which is really the wood. Can you tell us a little bit more about these materials, where they're from, how you get them, and also what characteristics do they have? Yeah, right now the internet has made it a real renaissance in terms of woodworking. A lot of the knowledge is is very easy to to share. We're always, you know, we've got a very deep arsenal in terms of our skill set. But sometimes we'll go and we'll we'll research, uh, you know, ancient techniques or you know just techniques from other parts of the world. Case in point, I actually we just did a Kickstarter for Inheritance, which is this game, uh, Luke. Uh, Crane from Kickstarter. He's the head of games on Kickstarter. He had this passion project that he was working on. It's a LARP. And we made this wooden addition. And I wanted a darker wood. And what you'll find is dark woods tend to come from tropical areas because the wood gets denser and darker as a defense against all of the nasty predators and diseases that it has to contend with in tropical climates. There's no winter to kind of cool everything off. So I found this uh, Japanese woodworking technique called Shoshugi Ban. Doug had actually seen it earlier and he, he would just kind of mentioned how cool it was and i was like that would be perfect and what it is is you actually char the wood and then brush it so it ends up having this black character but the grain really you know the the resins and tannins in the wood react differently to the heat so it's not just pitch black but it's really really dark and it just it just completed the piece because i wanted to keep the woods local to something that vikings would have that's a viking themed game so i didn't want to go african or south american but charring that wood and taking that new woodworking technique and implementing it, it really just took it to the next level. That is so fascinating. Okay, you were talking about these ancient techniques that really allow you to stay within the kind of wood from a particular region that is flavorful to that game. And then you know what's also interesting? I was looking at the Wormwood website. You've got this great page on all the different woods that you use. And I noticed there are some from Africa. There are some from South America. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about some of these more exotic international woods? Yeah, woods for us are, are fairly easy to source given the size uh, of the company now. It, at the beginning, it was a little bit tougher, uh, but now we can deal direct with regional sawmills. And, you know, they have a vested interest in making sure everything is sourced uh, ethically and above board uh, because they're, they're gigantic businesses. And of course, if they ever violated 
anything, then their competitors would be the first ones to let everybody know. Um, so that's great that all of those incentives line up to make sure that we're we're getting woods from all over the world in an ethical uh, ethical fashion. Uh, we actually also, uh, on a related note, for Wenge Zebra Wood in Gabon Ebony, which are three of our rarest woods, uh, we actually donate 5% of the profits of those sales. Uh, right now, it's to the Rainforest Trust, but we partner with different charities in order to, to make those woods sustainable moving forward. Because some of those woods are on a path uh, where they will not be sustainable or currently are not sustainable. There's a lot of work to be done there. And that's that's about awareness. That's about making sure that there's conservation of the lands, uh, taking a look at plantation, growing of trees. There's a lot of different possible solutions. Uh, so we, we're interested in backing a lot of different charities in that space because I don't think any one charity has kind of nailed the solution for that. That's really wonderful to hear because whenever I go and I look at all the different selections that you have, just like you were saying, you think you were saying there was a Wenge, a Zebra Wood, as well as a, a Gabon Ebony? Yes. They are just incredibly beautiful and they are also very characteristic. I mean, if if you're a Magic player and you have a very special deck and you want a piece of art to go with your deck, I mean, choosing one of those more exotic woods is incredibly memorable. And also one thing I noticed is that no two pieces are going to be alike because of the grain of the wood, the characteristic, and also the exoticness of that wood itself is also very special. Yeah, there's a saying in woodworking and that's wood ages and plastic decays. And I find that that's really relevant when you're looking at gaming accessories. You know, it's hard to imagine that, you know, that I've been playing this game for over 20 years and how much it's shaped my life. But the gaming accessories that I would have had if I still had them from, you know, you know, being 13, 14 year old kid, they would all be trash now. You know, a plastic deck box, like they just get brittle and kind of decay over time. Whereas something that's wood actually ages and gains character and becomes more valuable to you because it's been on that journey with you. Uh, and that's why I think using natural materials is such a great fit for gaming in particular, because it is a journey. Like you are progressing as a player. You are meeting new people along the way that, you know, have the potential to become lifelong friends. And to have accessories that go on that journey with you is, is really uh, kind of poetic in that way. And that's why I think it's such a good fit. Eric, that's really cool. What are some other woods that you really enjoy? I was looking on the website and I saw some that really have really bright colors. I tend to be a little bit more modest with my wood selections. I really enjoy black walnut, which is why I picked that for the, the giveaway we're going to be doing. Uh, it's kind of the nicest domestic wood that you can really find. Uh, but if I'm looking for a little bit of like more flair, uh, I would say Flamebox Elder has an excellent story and it's also a domestic wood. Uh, you'll see that on the site as maple, like a pale creamy color. Uh, but it's got these bright red highlights and streaks. And what that's caused from is the tree is attacked by beetles and that leaves these little beetle holes. And that's that's an opening for the tree to you know get diseased. So it actually kind of cauterizes that wound with that red pigmentation. And that kind of toughens it up and protects it from disease and tries to keep the tree alive, even though it's being attacked by the beetles. And uh, it's, it's just a fascinating wood. It's difficult to work with. Uh, it's difficult to harvest. You have to wait until the the beetles have done enough damage that it's going to have that red pigmentation throughout. But of course, if you go too long, the beetles win and the tree is mush. Uh, and then when you get it into the shop, we're taking raw lumber and turning it into boards and then the finished product. We have to be very selective to make sure we cut to the most beautiful character pieces 
on the on the lumber itself, you know, because you don't want it to just look like a maple box, which is box elder is a type of maple tree, which is beautiful, but that's not what you're you're going for there. You want that red pigmentation because it really stands out. That is so fascinating. Okay, so, you know, another wood that I saw, in it, and maybe you can remind me the name. Now, this one is just purple. It's got this violet or mauve or purpley color in it. That could only be purple heart. Yeah, purple heart is... It's one of our more popular woods. Uh, it is very dense. Uh, it, it, it's one of the densest woods that we work with. And it grows to be enormous. It's a South American tree. And you'll notice the recurring theme, tropical woods tend to do amazing things just through evolution. And Purple Heart, when you first mill it, actually is a pale gray. And as it's exposed to light and air, it'll oxidize into this vibrant purple color. Uh, and it's it is really it's in the it's in the lineup aside from the fact that it's popular. It's it really is, I think, one of those necessary woods to kind of drive home how wide a variety there is and why we don't use dyes and stains. All of our woods, these are the natural colors. There's no dyes. It's all just an oil and wax finish that just preserves and protects the wood and draws out the natural color. And, you know, you, you really don't need to dye or stain anything when you're dealing with quality lumber uh, from all around the world. There's, there's so much variety, you, you never need to stain anything. Yeah, that is really cool. There's another wood type that you also show on the on the website. You call it's called like a spalted tamarind, and it has that same effect that the that the fire wood <laughs> also has. It's kind of like you know, uh, there's like portions of fungus that grow, and then it, it's it's really light colored wood, but there's these black squiggly lines that go through it, kind of like a topographer's map of uh, this black. Um, so that's also really characteristic. And then you've also got this. This uh, really interesting lace wood that almost has this really almost geometric pattern that goes through the wood. Yeah, lace wood at times uh, will actually look three dimensional when you look at it in terms of like a like a three D hologram. I should say uh, the chatoyance of the wood uh, is a fancy word for wood shimmer. Uh, it, it can just be mesmerizing. Yeah, lace wood. Sometimes you'll hear it called leopard wood. A lot of the woods do have regionally different names, uh, but yeah, that's we decided on lace wood. Uh, it it kind of fits in with the the rest of the the core sixteen as we call it, uh, and it, it's a welcome addition. Yeah, a lot of the different woods that have more character in terms of either a different color or a different grain are all very interesting and very exotic. Um, but you know, you've got some great materials to work with. I want to move and talk about the design and craftsmanship of your products. You inlay these little magnets in your dice vaults and everything on all the products I've seen just like click neatly and match up neatly. I mean, there's like no seams. Everything is really elegantly polished and also the design of it overall. Eric, can you share with the listening audience a little bit about how Wormwood goes about designing its products? Yeah, you know, at Wormwood, we really, truly believe uh, that people are the biggest asset to a company. And we kind of include everybody. It's not to say that it's built by committee, but everybody is empowered to give their input and to, you know, kind of have ideas that they can share. And, you know, we, we listen to everybody uh, in that way. So, you know, when you're looking at any of our products, even if, uh, if I was the designer or Doug was the designer, it's still very much a team effort. And, you know, the, the deck boxes have evolved uh, over time. And, and 
to a large degree, they also evolved due to feedback from our supporters, you know, just in terms of which deck boxes were the most popular. Uh, And then, of course, we have a lifetime guarantee on everything that we create. Uh, So over time, if we ever do have a design, uh, which is not, you know, kind of uh, succeeding where we want it to in terms of standing up to that lifetime guarantee, then we will evolve our design, uh, you know, to make sure that every future iteration is stronger because of it. Yeah, I I guess those are the, the two main points on design for us are making sure that you have a team of people who really love what they're doing and feel empowered to have input and that everything is kind of restrained and tempered by the fact that we have to stand behind it literally for life. And, you know, that's one of the things that I really see just even in the way um, people in the community talk about your product and I go on your website and look at photos of your product. It just seems like craftsmanship is there. Design is also there. Things are just really thought out really well. You know, also, for example, the dice tower that you guys make, it disassembles and stacks neatly into the personal dice tray. I mean, those things are just so elegant. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, that was very much a a team piece. Doug had actually come up with the tower itself using the joinery as all magnets, which is a a pretty revolutionary idea in in the sense of most fine woodworking tends to be dogmatic. And the Dice Tower was our first really big successful product. The fact that all of the joinery was magnetic really sets it apart from, from what you'd see from other classically trained woodworkers. A lot of the time they'd shy away from anything like that because it's just not it's not something they've seen before. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the time they're, they're emulating the past and we're very interested in taking technology and, you know, kind of new design elements and, and mixing them with old world craftsmanship to come up with something that's really unique and, and, you know, potentially has function that's better than anything that's ever been done. Yeah, I saw the little video that you have on your website, and it's just so slick. I had to watch it several times because at first I was just like, no, this is not possible. Everything fits so neatly, everything packs up, and also everything disassembles so smoothly as well. So, I mean, you could really tell, you know, things are not crooked, things are sanded properly, things aren't too sharp, things aren't too big or small, the magnets and everything lines up really well. You know, I know I've used this word a lot in this conversation, craftsmanship, but really there has to be a a level of standard of the craftsmanship. I mean, you guys are pros when making these products. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's as fanatical as a guarantee as you can get to guarantee something for life. The only way you can do that is if excellence is the only acceptable outcome. Uh, so yeah, everything that we send out, uh, not only does the craftsman, you know, they, they obviously they do their best, uh, but then there's also a master for every single piece. So if someone's working on deck boxes, we have our craftsmen, and then the master of the deck boxes will then inspect every single piece and put that in its box, uh, we, you know, the craft box, like the packaging. And they are the final arbiter there to make sure that that is up to the standard that represents Wormwood. Because when it goes out there, it represents everyone in the company. And we, we take that very seriously. Are there going to be any new products on the horizon? Anything that you can share about what you guys are thinking about making next? Uh, so yeah, we just released two new products. Uh, we've got a Kickstarter, uh, which may or may not be going on as you hear this. Uh, it is for the Adventurer's Arsenal. That's a Dungeons and Dragons accessory for the players to be able to hold their dice, their mini. If you want, we're actually creating now hand-turned mechanical pencils. They're the most beautiful pencils I've ever seen. I'm really thrilled with them. Uh, so that stays in line with the gaming accessories. Uh, but the thing I'm the most excited about 
is we just unveiled at Gen Con, the 50th anniversary, our gaming tables. And we are jumping in right toward the top of the line. We want to make the nicest tables available. Uh, and that I really believe that's what we've done, uh, just making the finest gaming tables uh, that have ever been created. And as we take orders for those, uh, we're going to eventually set our sights on, you know, kind of tables, kind of in a, a more kind of mid ground. Uh, I don't think we'll ever want to target like a budget table uh, because everything we make is heirloom. Everything we make is something that you should be able to hand down to your kids and their kids. So budget options are not really, you know, where you want to be there. This is a table that is going to be a permanent part of your your gaming experience. Uh, But that is really exciting. And it's been really interesting to see the, the response on those. Wow, that is so cool. Okay, so you really are returning to your furniture making roots by releasing a table. That's like the ultimate of gaming accessories. Yeah, absolutely. In in a way, it absolutely is. Fascinating. Well, we'll definitely have more information about that at kitchentablemagic.org, and I'll try to have links and things. Eric, I also wanted to ask you, what is some of the processes that Wormwood goes through in choosing a new wood? You know, I was seeing that you already have all these really beautiful woods, but there's still also maybe many other woods out there. I mean, will Wormwood ever release like a bamboo product or ever choose a different kind of wood? I mean, I know that you also talked about sustainability is also very important. You also want to give back to the organizations that do protect those resources and natural environments. When we do Kickstarters, uh, we will really expand our offering. So our custom shop allows anybody to order whatever wood they want. We'll source it. We'll make it happen. We make people's ideal piece on a daily basis. That That is just part of what we do. On Kickstarter, what we do is offer maybe 50, 70, it depends on the campaign, different woods. And that allows us to just go ahead and get all of those orders in all at once. And then we can go out and source it all at once. So it's, when you're looking outside of our core 16, which is the 16 woods we use year round, Kickstarter is really your best opportunity to get woods outside of that core 16. And our core 16 has evolved over time. Uh, At one point, it was a core 14. And after one of our Kickstarters, we sat down and we decided that we were going to take a look at the most successful woods from the campaign. And we were going to cut it down to 12 woods. And somehow at the end of the conversation, we had 16. It's just it's just what happens. (laughs) We we just added a couple of extra. We actually ended up taking out one of my favorite woods, uh, which is really hard to get now. Ancient Kauri is this uh, wood from New Zealand. It's like 50,000 years old. It's it's actually a reclaimed wood. Uh, the, the island was actually leveled by tsunamis uh, in between 10 and 50,000 years ago. And uh, these trees are actually pulled up from the bogs and it's a very light wood, uh, but it's just it's a piece of prehistory. Um, and that used to be part of our core offerings. And, you know, Flamebox Elder outperformed it in the Kickstarter. So we had to we had to make the change. We got to give people what they want. Maybe one of these days you could do a super special edition or something like that to raise a little money for conservation efforts. But that just sounds incredibly amazing. Absolutely. Now, I also noticed that Wormwood has a collection of officially licensed Magic the Gathering deck boxes. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, that was one of my original goals uh, with teaming up with Wormwood and, and becoming part of the company uh, was to get officially licensed products to, to take the company to the point where Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro would look at us and say, these guys have made it. We're comfortable letting them carry this banner into battle uh, and not worry about the, the quality or if these guys are going to be around in a few years. And to have that come together was really, you know, it really felt great. And the response has been amazing. Uh, we created two different versions of the deck box is an alpha edition and an unlimited edition. The unlimited is cherry, classic American hardwood. It really gains a golden patina as it ages and just fits in perfectly with this idea of, of gaming accessories, you know, going on that journey with you and being part of your gaming experience. And then we chose Peruvian Walnut for the Alpha Edition, very dark wood, and it really makes those inlays pop. So, you know, when we chose the, the mana symbols, we knew that we wanted to do turquoise uh, for the, the blue mana symbol, uh, malachite for green, and then some of the other ones were a little bit more of a question we found that we could actually do the black mana symbol with bone, and that just took it to a whole nother level. And then brass for the white mana symbol really feels, uh, has that, you know, kind of sun sunburst feel. And then we had the coral for red, uh, which really just contrasts beautifully with the Peruvian walnut. So I'm really excited about the, the Alpha line and the Unlimited line. The Alpha edition, we're only making 100 of each of those. And then the Unlimited edition is actually somewhat limited in that it'll only be available for 2017. And then in 2018, we'll be looking at a, a different line of deck boxes uh, using this license. Wow, that is so cool. And listeners, if you haven't been to wormwoodgaming.com, check out the images that they have online posted for the Unlimited as well as the Alpha. When I first saw the Alpha collection, I was like, wow, that is a really beautiful wood. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. These inlays of the mana symbols really pop. But now that you're describing what they actually are, that just makes it even more epic because I did not know that you chose different materials for those inlays. Yeah, those are, when you see that turquoise, that is actually turquoise stone crushed into a powder. We create a mortise, which is a fancy word for like it being concaved or putting a hole in a piece of wood. Uh, we create a mortise and then we fill that in with the crushed stone and then we solidify it and then sand it all flush, finish it. It's a, it's a very intense process, but it's, it totally pays off. It's, it's some of the nicest deck boxes we've ever made. That is amazing. Okay. And there's also this really beautiful leather strap that holds the cover. You've got this nice metal button attachment on the side, and you've also got a matching suede deck divider, a separator. Yeah, we went all out. We wanted to make sure that this was a, a complete piece. Uh, the deck divider, just that nice little finishing touch with the, the suede that matches the mana symbol. Uh, yeah, we, we really we swung for the fences on this. Wow, that is so cool. Eric, in addition to wood, I also noticed that you use a different set of materials. I've seen that in a couple of your other dice trays. You also do leather products. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a natural fit, uh, you know, pardon the pun, but I mean, everything that we're working with, we want to have that natural feel and, and there's nothing better than leather for that in terms of longevity and, and the flexibility there. An extremely durable leather that we use for our deck box straps, uh, that is actually a water buffalo. It's an oil-tanned water buffalo. Uh, we also have this Dotan leather, much softer. Uh, and you'll see that we actually have officially licensed Magic the Gathering playmats using that as well. So right now we're 
We're really specializing in two different types of leathers that we work with. Uh, one's a little bit more rustic and rugged. The other one has you know a little bit of a softer feel, uh, and it really shows off the engravings with a high contrast. Uh, whereas our stone oiled leather is is you know just more subtle in a lot of ways. I saw the video of you talking about it, and you were putting really deep scratch marks in it, but then you basically used the oil and you just buffed it right out. And so, like, again, like what you were saying before about how these natural materials age really well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all, all guaranteed for life. We, we got to make sure it's something that people love more as time goes on. And, uh, and that's what those natural materials let happen. And I love that you also have a strap that helps hold your play mat together when it's rolled up. And you were saying how it looks like a scroll. And it really does look like a scroll. Yeah, that was that was really kind of a credit to the the way the company is organized. Uh, we in-house just about everything. And uh, one of the few things that we we did kind of outsource were playmats and I'd gotten them printed up and you know, they they looked great for playmats and one day I was just like this just doesn't fit what we do. And I cut up some leather to the size and I, I put it in our engraver and I started experimenting. It all just came together in an afternoon. Like I just, as I rolled it up, I was like, well, this, this feels different. Like it's, it's a thicker material. I want something that really holds it together. So I, I made the strap. And as soon as I saw it and I was like, wow, that really looks like a spell scroll. I started bringing it to my local game store. Immediately people wanted them. Uh, and then of course it led to, uh, we do a lot of custom play mats as well. Uh, since we do them in house, we can literally just do like a one of play mat, which will have, you know, your favorite flavor text or anything like that on there. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's one of the strengths of the way that we've organized the company is to be able to really just make one of a kind pieces and just have those unintended consequences where, you know, you get an idea and you try something and you maybe you discover an entirely new product type or an entirely new technique uh, that just happens from just, you know, the fact that we're the ones actually doing it. There's just so many benefits that happen from that. That is so cool. Okay, everyone, we're going to have more from Eric coming up. But first, we're going to take a quick break from our sponsors. Eric, you and Wormwood have been very generous to give our listeners a few items for a giveaway. Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. Yeah, we have a black walnut deck box kind of the nicest domestic wood that we offer. It's really a classic look. We also have a dice vault. Uh, just, you know, if you guys play d d it's a great way to carry your favorite set of dice. I also use it when I play Magic sometimes if I'm playing a deck that I need a whole lot of dice, uh, Super Friends or something like that, where I, I want to make sure the dice counters on my Planeswalkers look really sweet. I want to keep those protected. Uh, and then we have a custom leather playmat. Uh, so you're going to be able to get whatever you want on your playmat, whatever text. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to customize that so you have a one-of-a-kind leather playmat for yourself. That is really exciting. So listeners, remember, Eric and all the people at Warmwood are generously giving away these gifts for a giveaway. So I'm going to have the details posted at kitchentablemagic.org as well as on my Facebook page and Twitter. And we'll make sure that uh, you have a chance to enter and win one of these items. So thank you so much, Eric. Happy to. All right, everyone, if you'd like to enter into the Wormwood giveaway, head on over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash kitchen table magic podcast, or our Twitter profile at KTM podcast and enter. Wormwood is generously giving away three prizes, a black walnut deck box, a dice vault, and a leather playmat that they will customize with an engraving. The contest begins Tuesday, December 12th and ends on Monday, December 18th at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Random winners will be drawn and announced in the next episode, Tuesday, December 19th. 
This episode of Kitchen Table Magic was brought to you by Paragon City Games. The Kitchen Table Magic podcast has been all about the origins of the game and members of the community. And as a community, we've come a long way since the game first started. Apart from the kitchen table, the only other places in your local community to play Magic are at local game stores. And that's why places like Paragon City Games is so important for our community. At Paragon City Games, you'll find a spacious and clean showroom with lots of elbow room for Magic events. You'll find thoughtful accessories like die-hard metal dice and handcrafted wooden boxes. You'll find a huge supply of legacy, modern, and standard staples, sealed product, and tabletop games. It's places like Paragon City Games that allow local communities to gather in. And if you can't make it there in person, please be sure to watch their weekly stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames. Remember to spread the love with a like on Facebook and a follow on Twitter for Paragon City Games. They also have great online reviews and that shows their commitment to excellent customer service for their player community. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Cardkingdom.com is a great place to shop for Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, pre-constructed decks, and gaming accessories. They have a huge selection of singles, from the latest sets to an ever-flowing supply of modern and legacy staples. Card Kingdom also loves to buy Magic cards. They'll offer you cash or in-store credit for your Magic singles. And if you're new to Magic, you'll love playing any one of the 36 new pre-constructed battle decks built by Card Kingdom. Sign up for Card Kingdom's email newsletter to receive coupon codes and deck techs by Magic Pro Chris Van Meter. You'll get access to Card Kingdom's private reserve, which are special deals for chase rares at significantly discounted prices. Card Kingdom has so much to offer, so I hope you'll check them out. And if you'd like to support Kitchen Table Magic when shopping at Card Kingdom, please use our affiliate link. Just go to cardkingdom.com KTM. Okay, and we are back. Eric, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Born ready. Okay, here we go. Eric, rapid fire question number one. Of the five colors of magic, white, blue, black, red, and green, what's your favorite color and why? Blue. Easy. Easy question. <laughs> blue to me feels the most like playing magic. Uh, the ability to draw cards. Uh, Brainstorm is my favorite card. Uh, the ability to find answers and you know be making decisions. And the fact that your winning and losing comes down to those decisions really feels like magic to me. Uh, of course, being able to counter your opponent's game-winning spells is always nice, but it really is that decision-making element that I find to be the most compelling part of magic. That's really sweet. And if you had to pair another color or two other colors with blue, what would it be? Uh, it depends on what era we're playing. The most fun I've ever had playing Magic was the original Gush Bond era. That was being able to use Fast Bond with the card Gush to not only draw cards, but also generate mana. And the decks at that time, I was running uh, Queer and Dryad in those shells, which allowed you to essentially combo off. You draw a bunch of cards, time walk after casting your Queer and Dryad, go to your next turn, Cunning Wish Berserk. Uh, I found that to be the most skill-intensive era of Magic because there was so many decisions. Every top eight seemed like it was uh, a lot of the same players and uh, it was just a lot of fun. The power level was through the roof. So in that era, you know, green and black. Uh, in this current era, I tend to pair red a lot. It's just got the best sideboard options. Um, there's a lot of artifact removal, especially when I'm thinking about vintage cards like Ingot, Chewer, Shattering Spree. I mean, there's, there's, take your pick. There's there's really no shortage of, of uh, Ancient Grudge. Uh, there, there's so many different ways that red can really help some of your worst matchups. 
Very cool. Very cool. Eric, question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be? You know, I, I wouldn't change it because it really does come from the masses. Um, but I really personally enjoy the mentality that I experienced when I was playing in Europe. I used to, I've gone a few times to Europe to play in big tournaments and they didn't even understand what prize splitting was. Like they were there to find out who the best player was on that day. And that was the prizes were almost secondary. So I would love it if culturally things were more like that, where people were really just interested in the competition. But I think that's just not where the game's at right now. There's people are very interested in the prizes. People are, you know, there's there's a lot of team elements, which isn't necessarily where I am. So I, I guess that's my two cents on that. I, I really enjoy the level of competition I experienced when I was going over to Europe. But I think the game is in an excellent place right now. And it's because Wizards has done a, such a good job listening to the player base. And I don't think I'm necessarily representative of the majority of people really in almost any category. Eric, question number three. If you could give something to every Magic player, what would it be? Uh, I mean, I would love to see a little bit more humility across the board, I guess. <laughs> like if we're looking for <laughs> traits, um, you know, being a good winner and being a good loser are two of the most important things to, to growing the community. Um, so if I could give people something, I think it would be kind of a focus on the community and understanding being part of a community means, you know, sometimes you may be giving up a little bit of an edge. Maybe you're playing against a newer player and yeah, maybe you could rules lawyer him and, and maybe you could easily win the match or put him on tilt because he doesn't know a rule. But just the idea that, you know, we're all in this community together and the health of that community is the most important thing. I mean, I've, I've played in stores where it was very top heavy first place. I mean, back in the day, it would be $5 tournaments and first place would get all of the money. Like that was it. They were just cash tournaments and they were very common. And that was not sustainable uh, because the community didn't end up feeling like a community. It was just so cutthroat uh, that people just kind of lost sight of the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's supposed to have fun. And, you know, that, that's what I would give people is, is just maybe a little bit of more of an understanding of how important the community is and how fortunate we are, uh, you know, with the community that we have. Eric, number four, what do you see in the future of Magic the Gathering? Well, I see Magic being a permanent part of gaming culture. Uh, I don't have any of the, the skies falling uh, feelings that a lot of people do about the advancements of games like Hearthstone. Uh, when I see Hearthstone, I, I look at that as a, a way to get more people into Magic, ultimately. Of course, I, I would love to see Magic Online be kind of more user-friendly, more playable, because I, I actually don't play Magic Online. I find it very frustrating and, and feels very disconnected from the game that I love. Uh, you know, playing on a kitchen table uh, or at a tournament, playing Magic Online feels very much like a different game. Um, so I'm pretty confident that they will move Magic Online more in the direction of of representing what we actually experience in person. Uh, but I think the paper version is is here to stay. I think the collectible element is extremely important uh, to that end. And uh, I think Wizards is just doing a tremendous job overall, you know, growing the game uh, year after year and, and, you know, kind of listening to the players and giving the community what they want. 
And last, Eric, do you have any asks or requests of the listening audience? Well, we uh, we did put the the promo code out there uh, for you guys to get free domestic shipping on any orders. Uh, so if you guys are using that, uh, we what we do is whenever we team up with anybody for you know these type of podcasts or anything, uh, we take a look, and as time goes on, uh, you know the the codes that do really well, we pick up the phone and we take a look at doing another giveaway. Uh, so you know that's that's the type of thing that I would love to see. Uh, you know, if this is something that you guys enjoyed and, you know, you, you enjoy our craftsmanship, you know, go ahead, use that promo code and we can talk to Sam and get another another giveaway going maybe, uh, you know, around Christmas time or something. That's great. And Eric, what is that promo code? We went with KTM. Easy to remember. <laughs> That's right. KTM is the promo code. That's wonderful. And thank you, Eric. That's really generous. Okay, so listeners, I will have all of the links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. And we're going to have links to Wormwood Gaming, the giveaway, as well as the promo code KTM. So if you are really interested in buying one of these pieces of art to hold your historical magic deck and your beloved collection, that really is is one of the most prized ways to honor your collection is to put it in a Wormwood Gaming box. They're beautiful. So go online to wormwoodgaming.com and really check it out. It's really beautiful. Eric, I just really wanted to thank you. And also, I wanted to thank everyone at Wormwood Gaming. It's not easy to be able to make these kinds of things. You know, this is very high craftsmanship. The woods are exotic. A lot of work goes into it. And you've done a fantastic job listening to the magic community about really what we need. And also, I love your story about how you really brought like another dimension of the magic community into Wormwood Gaming. And I'm incredibly grateful that the founders have listened. And I'm also so happy to see officially licensed magic products as well well as, you know, uh, leather playmats. That's incredibly innovative and really, really cool. So I just wanted to thank you. And I just wanted to acknowledge all the hard work and also the, all the hard work of everyone at Wormwood Gaming. So thanks so much. You know, thanks for having me. I mean, it really is a privilege to be able to kind of spread the word. Uh, you know, we have 33 craftsmen in the company now. And, you know, anything that we can do to, to kind of shine a, a spotlight on the work that they're doing, uh, we always greatly appreciate the opportunity. So we really, uh, from everyone at Wormwood, thanks for having me on. A big thanks to Eric for talking to us about Wormwood. Head on over to kitchentablemagic.org for links to Wormwood Gaming's website, where you can see all the amazing products and the varieties of lumbers that they use. Also, go to facebook.com slash kitchentablemagicpodcast and our Twitter page, at KTM Podcast, to enter for your chance to win in the Wormwood giveaway. Three lucky winners have the chance to win either a deck box, a dice vault, or a leather playmat in our random drawing. And if you're interested in buying a Wormwood product for the holidays, they've given me a coupon code to share. Just use KTM at checkout to get free U.S. domestic shipping. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's show. I'd like to thank all of my Patreon supporters, Brian, Marcus, James L., Alex, Trevor, Caitlin, Mark, Aaron M., Neil, James G., Aaron C., Jonathan, Corey, Chad, James E., Logan, The Magic Man Sam, Jesse, Ben, Nick, Eternal Dirtles, Matthias, Charlie, Geraint, Scryfall, Matt, Ian, Priscovi, and Ryan. Listeners, if you'd like to get special gifts from my guests, become a supporter at patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. Your financial contribution goes to making the show better and helping to keep it running by paying for audio equipment, software, and server costs. And now that I've partnered with Card Kingdom, there's a new way to support the show. When you shop at Card Kingdom, just use my affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash KTM. A big thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters. Your support of Kitchen Table Magic allows me to share stories about the amazing people in the Magic the Gathering community with the world. 
If you haven't heard already, I've created a new YouTube channel called Play MTG. It's an upbeat, fast-paced YouTube channel featuring deck techs from the pros, learn-to-play tutorials, level-up advice, card discussion, community news, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Play MTG. Special thanks to Dev for the shout-out on his YouTube channel that helped me get a bunch of new subscribers. I really appreciate your support, Dev. Follow the channel on Twitter at play underscore MTG. It's also on Facebook at facebook.com slash play MTG, all one word. I'm looking forward to creating new content and I've got some collaborations and new videos in the works. Be sure to subscribe to Kitchen Table Magic on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Hipsters of the Coast, and mtgcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter at KTM Podcast. The show is on Facebook.com slash Kitchen Table Magic Podcast. All of the show notes are at kitchentablemagic.org. If you're new to the show, there's plenty of past episodes to listen to, and please be sure to share KTM with a friend. Coming up on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic... All the videos I've pretty much done, there's like one or two where I worked with an actual production company, but mostly I just go out there with some friends and a camera, and we try and think of the easiest most interesting shots we can make with like no budget is we put a couple hundred bucks into a couple videos here and there for like costumes there's one where we got like gorilla suits and all types of weird stuff but it's like for the most part it's do it yourself it's the cheapest way to make something memorable that's what i'm always going for when i'm making a video i i don't want to put too much money into it because I don't have a ton of money to work with, but uh, I, I want to be able to get the most out of everything I do, even if it, like, my, my song Just a Bill, which is, like, almost at 2 million views right now, it was, like, a less than $20 shoot, and that includes buying the ice cream cone and the beer. So it was, it was, it was very cheap. My buddy who was shooting it hadn't really filmed a music video for anybody else before. He'd done like a couple for himself and his like in his house, nothing big. And he was like, let's just go out and do it. Let's just do it. And it's like, it was the best decision because it just, it took off and it was like front page of Reddit uh, multiple times. And I, that's, that's like making it because I, I wasn't buying any sort of ad space or anything. It's just people, word of mouth, sharing something they find interesting. That's what you want to happen with your art. You know, you can pay all you want to get a billboard or get in a magazine or get a placement on some big major mixtape or something. But when people just spread it because they love it, that's that's so fulfilling. It's, it's just it's like that. That lets me know that I wasn't wasting my time. I'm talking to rapper, comedian, filmmaker, and magic player, Billy The Fridge. He started with local rap battles in the Seattle area and making his own films on a budget. Shortly after, his creativity made it to the front page of Reddit, where his thoughtful lyrics and edgy visual style caught the attention of millions. Billy is a true magic player at heart, writing and performing Cardboard Crack, an ode to the game we love. Join me and Billy The Fridge as we talk about his musical influences, creativity, his YouTube rivalries, and of course, Playing magic, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. I used to hang at the cool kids' table, now I skip my lunch. You can find me fighting bears with a savage punch. Drafting rares with some squares, and I have a hunch. I'ma slap your elder dragon in a camel clutch. Cast a bunch of counter spells, I'm going kamikaze. Jump off furs and